Hello and welcome to the Heat Check Podcast, the Miami Herald's Miami Heat Podcast. I'm David Wilson. I'm joined, as always, on the other line by Anthony Chang, our Heat beat writer here at the Herald. Anthony, what's up? What's up, David? 4-0. 4-0. The, the road to, what did we say last week? 1-0. What, what could they get to? 82-86. Um, I think it's... Uh, One more preseason game, right? No, two more preseason. One more? One more. No, two more. Two more. Two more. So 88 plus um, 16, what is it, 104 and 0? 104 and 0, yeah. yeah. Almost there. Half the 104-0 is still alive. Almost there. What are they, one, uh, like, one twenty-fifth of the way there on there? Like, you know, making progress. Making progress. Um, it has been a pretty fun heat preseason, which is like, I know fun NBA preseason is like a um, very stupid thing to say. Um but obviously, anytime you go four and zero, that's fun. Um, we also, I've obviously gotten like the look at Kyle Lowry, which was just going to make this preseason more exciting. Basically, no matter what, just finally getting a, a peek at this guy and what he's gonna, what he does uh, for this team. Um, and then last night we're recording this on Tuesday uh, afternoon. Obviously, this won't be out till Thursday, um, but they won't play again until uh, that night. So. Um, Obviously, last night was uh, the the uh, the Exhibit Ten comeback. The uh, I don't know what we're gonna call that. It's, it's, a, it's an iconic moment in Heat history. That 13-0 run led by Omer Yurtsevin and a bunch of uh, guys who aren't even gonna a bunch of Sioux Falls uh, Sioux Falls players. Um, what do you think of that? That was what, what was that like in the building last night? Was it electric? It seemed electric on TV. I don't know because I had to re- completely rewrite my game story. I think it was the first time I've ever had to re- rewrite a preseason oh, game. Preseason game uh, story, but yeah. That's, yeah, that's how big of a turnaround it was. Turned on by 13 with four minutes left. Well, and, and it became the story, right? There's a lot of times where maybe there's yeah. a big thing that happens at the end of the game, but there's already been a storyline. But the story coming out of last night was all these all these fringe NBA guys uh, putting going full heat culture for a couple of minutes there. Yeah, it was cool to watch. You know, uh, you know, Omer Yurtsevin was part of that group, like you said, um, along with Marcus Garrett, who's a two-way guy. Like those two right. guys are on the on the roster, right? But the Exhibit Ten players, as we've talked about before, like the Heat usually has one two-way slot open, and, and those Exhibit Ten guys are, are battling for for that open spot. That's not the case this offseason, this right. season. Um, so those guys really are just they know they're going to Sioux Falls pretty much. I guess there's like an outside chance that somebody else can offer a two-way to them, but. Yeah. You know the likelihood is they're going to just going to go to Sioux Falls and play there and develop and hopefully catch on somewhere. And it's good to kind of see that like the work pay off that they've put in. You know this preseason and summer league, um, committing to the Heat even though they knew there really wasn't a chance for a two way deal here. Um, it, it's it, I'm sure it's, it feels good for those guys and I'm sure the coaches are happy that it, you know they they get a little carrot um, in last night. I mean it was a fun it was a fun atmosphere. I mean, a lot of the fans stayed until the end. Uh, the, the bench was going crazy. All the veterans, UD was back on the bench. Bam, um, PJ Tucker was like very animated. Um, it was it, it. You could hear like we're you know how the the press conference room is stationed right next to the hallway where the Heat you know walked back to the mm-hmm. locker room after the game, and you could hear the guys like saying, "Wow, that was fun for a preseason game." Like <laughs> it was, it was, it felt like almost like yeah. a you know regular season game. So. Definitely a highlight of the preseason. You know, again, you know, I guess it doesn't mean anything in the grand scheme of things, but for those guys who are on the court, Micah Potter, DJ Stewart, um, Javante Smart, 
it meant something. Um, and, and I'm sure that was a really cool moment for them. Yeah, I mean, those, those are guys who, you know, might never play a meaningful NBA minute, basically. And uh, not the last night were meaningful NBA minutes, but... Um, it's the NBA games and NBA It had the feel of it, right? Yeah, NBA competition, right. Yeah. And those guys, um, like you said, some of them, you know, maybe they get picked up at some point, but I think, you know, the big appeal of obviously coming to play for the Heat, even if it's just on an Exhibit 10 contract, is how willing they have been in the last couple of years to, like, basically pull from their G League and pull from these Exhibit 10 and two-way guys. And, and that's, a, that's a pretty good impression for these guys to leave on the Heat. You know, they might probably not going to be in, like you said, the, the Heat are – the roster's full. They're not going to be on the team to start the season, but you know, maybe next year. And like, it, it puts them on the team's radar for sure. I would think it's, it's a nice. Yeah. Little, uh, obviously, they see them way more often than we do in practice and stuff like that. But um, that's a that's a nice little carrot, like you said, to uh, both for for you know to for them to show the team and and uh, again, the Heat I gets good Exhibit Ten and good two way guys because of uh, the opportunities they tend to give them. Also, I mean, it's cliche, but you don't know who's watching, right? I mean, there's right. other teams watching every game, and if they like Michael Potter, I mean, he, he played a double-double against the Spurs on Friday. Um, he had the game-winning block, game-saving block um, against the Hornets and that comeback win on Monday. Um, he's played well, and the, there's two-way slots open other, in, uh, around the league. So, I mean, who's to say that, you know, somebody watching him would say, we, we want to sign him to that, you know? So... Um, the, the, it's it's good for these guys just to put good film out there, um, right. and the Heat have given them an opportunity to do that just because they have so many freaking preseason games. Um, yeah. In San Antonio, they played a lot of minutes last night. They didn't play that many minutes, but you know those six five to six minutes that they did play uh, was were really really good minutes. All right, so we are four and zero here as we are talking. <laughs> um, got. Two more preseason games. The only win, the only really winning team in South Florida right now. I mean, yeah, well, the Panthers are I think what, what five and two in the preseason. So uh, we've got we got our, our two winter sports teams are, are here to save the day. Honestly, I think. Yeah, and I'm I'm modest. I'm cautiously optimistic about the Canes basketball team too. Um, but that's obviously uh, they they got to prove it. Uh, but yeah, winter winter will be better than the fall. It seems like in South Florida this year. Um, Anyway, talking about those Exhibit 10 guys and the two-way guys, I don't know how much we're actually learning about this Heat team from that comeback last night, although obviously a good sign that um, the two-way guys and Omar Yurtsevan are... Culture. Yeah, right. Um, But there are obviously some things I think we have learned. You know, I touched on Kyle Lowry at the top as kind of being the appeal of this preseason and um, the fact that he's played a lot and has, you know, when a lot of... Stars are just sitting out the preseason or maybe playing one game. We've, we've gotten to see him a lot. Um, see really the way he connects with Bam, um, to the way he's affecting this offense. Um, to me, that's been kind of the most, uh, the most, like I said, it was the reason to be excited about this preseason. It's been the reason the preseason's been pretty fun to watch. But what are some of the lessons you think that, that we can maybe take away from these, these, this 4-0 start that actually means something? Yeah, I mean, I think that's the challenge of preseason is trying to find the things that are, like you said, that actually mean something and are maybe sustainable that can be carried over into the regular season. And a lot of times we can be fooled into things. But I think it's pretty safe to say that 
you know, we, we discussed about how the offense, how good the offense, you know, is this year is going to kind of dictate how the ceiling of the C team and where the C team ends up because we know they're going to be really good defensively um, when they have everyone, you know, when they have everyone available. They're going to be definitely a top 10 defense. I mean, if they're not, that would be a shocker. Um, I think they could be a top five defense um, if they stay healthy this season. But offensively, the question was, can you know, can they be better than average? They were 18th in the league last year in offensive rating. Not good enough if you want to be a true contender in the East. Um, if you can get to that top 10, even if bottom of the top 10 in offense and have a top five defense, like that's the making of, of a, a real contender. Um, and I think we've seen glimpses of the, the potential of that. Um, again, I know it's only been four games. Kyle's only played in three. Jimmy's only played in one. Bam's played in three. But the impact that Kyle's had has been huge. Um, it looks like a totally different offense. Um, the pace that they're playing with, um, which is helping Bam get easy buckets, um, you know, the the three-point shooting, you know, whether it's, you know, Duncan obviously is, we know he's a good three-point shooter, but Tyler, you know, aside from last night against the Hornets where he didn't shoot very well, he shot the ball well. Yeah. Um, so I, I think um, the biggest thing has been the pace of the efficiency from, you know, the outside shooters and also the offensive rebounding. I, I need to ask Eric Spolcher about this, but it seems like they're crashing the boards more, even with, like, with their perimeter players. Last year they really didn't prioritize no. offensive rebounding, but – it seems like just from the naked eye, like they're they're sending an extra body on the boards, and it's paying off. Like their offensive rebounding rate, I think it's in the top ten this preseason. Again, it's preseason, but it just it shows kind of maybe a change in scheme where they're trying to prioritize that more. Um, I, I think the Heat finished with the fewest shot attempts in the league last year per game, or second fewest. I mean, it would make sense they weren't a good rebounding team and they were played at a really slow pace. And they uh, I think they're really yeah, I think they're really trying to change that this year, and and I think that's been very noticeable. Um, and that's a good sign. If, that can, if they can keep that up, getting their shot attempts up, playing at that pace, being just an average, you know, offensive rebounding team, um, you know, they they really can be an above average offense. And if they are above average offense, I think they really they probably should finish third in the East. Yeah, I think I think the the biggest lesson, like I said, it's all the Kyle stuff, right? Like all yeah. the ways, like that stuff is just gonna carry over. They're gonna play faster. Um, they're gonna get probably more open looks. Um, the, the the offense rebounding thing you mentioned is interesting because that is something. I mean, it really felt like, and it, part of this is just stuff that is like structural, like the, the size of the play. Remember, there was a bit, such a big storyline in that Buck series was how badly they got killed on the on the glass. Um, and you know, Bam, as great as he is, and a guy who's you know averages a double double, um, pretty small for a for a center. Um, or for your big, like when you're playing one big, basically. Um, and I, you know, that it, that's a, it is what it is, right? Like if you have a guy 6'9", as your center, as your top rebounder, you're going to suffer unless you do something schematically to change that. And, uh, yeah, that kind of makes sense to me, the idea of being more aggressive on that end. Um, and basically – Trusting your defense, right? If you got this great defense, like sure, maybe you give up a couple more runouts per game because uh, because you're crashing the glass. But obviously, there's it's it's the natural trade off. You get a couple more offensive rebounds, you can make it net out positively. Uh, and then you know the Heat, obviously, I, I think they're going to have a really really good half court defense, right? And yeah. um, you can give up the occasional runout 
when you ha- when you have a defense you can trust like that. Yeah, and it helps that Kyle, you know, is an above average rebounder for his position, his size. Sure. I think he averaged like five rebounds a game um, last season, and he's done that pretty consistently throughout his career. Um, but I will say. So one disclaimer I will say about the offensive rebounds, well, I do think, you know, just the eye test and you look at the numbers, like it looks like they're being more aggressive in that department. Omar Yurt 7 has 17 offensive rebounds in the first season. Yeah, that's, that's, that's one that's not going to keep up, like that rate, yeah. and two, he's not going to play enough to do right, that. Right, exactly. He's probably not going to play much, at least early you know, early on in the year, but yeah, that might be skewing the numbers a little bit, but it, it just, it does seem like that, though. Even aside from that, it does seem like they're sending more bodies to the glass, which is a bit of an adjustment, and I guess it shouldn't be shocking because, like you said, that was such a storyline this offseason of how they got killed in the glass. Like, yeah. they had to improve in that it's area. One of the most obvious plays they need to improve, and roster-wise, they really didn't do anything to improve that, so a schematic change makes sense. Yeah, other than, like, maybe improving slightly, like, with guys like um, Kyle's, you know, rebounder at his position, and, you know, I guess Markeith is not a bad rebounder, and PJ is going to fight for rebounds as well, but yeah, it's not like they got a guy who's going to average 12 rebounds all of a sudden in the roster. Right. So to improve, to really improve in that area, they have to change something. And it, it does seem like they're they're sending more guys to the glass. We'll see if that continues. We'll see if they continue that style. I'm sure, you know, Eric Spolcher is kind of experimenting with certain things. But I think that is an emphasis this year after kind of playing so slow and not getting many shot attempts up because of the turnover, turnover issues early on in the year, the reboundings, the just the pace that they're playing at. I, I think an emphasis this year is to get those attempts up, um, and we've seen that this preseason. So I think that's been one positive takeaway um, that I think could carry over, um, along with, like you said, all the other Kyle stuff um, that that he does, You know, not only on the offensive end but defensively where they haven't had a point-of-attack defender like that, and I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it's been a while. I mean, that's kind of been one of the biggest weaknesses of this team, you know, perimeter defense. Um, and Kyle's a guy who can fight over screens. You know, he did, Bam doesn't have to make that easy switch. He can stay on his guy instead of getting cross-matched and having Kyle down in the paint, you know, with a – that's one of the – that was one of the reasons for the rebounding issues, right? Like Bam being on the perimeter right. and having a guard boxing out a center in the paint because they switch. So that right there helps as well. Last week we talked so much about Tyler Hero um, because it – I think we, it was just the one game they had played, um, and obviously he went off in that opener. Um, you mentioned him not shooting particularly well last night, but otherwise being good. Um, obviously his body looks different. Um, it was more than just Instagram stories or whatever. Um, how much do you buy into you – know, last year we obviously kind of joked that it was – sort of an overreaction, but not really an overreaction. We thought he could be that kind of like sixth man of the year, not necessarily win that award, but at least be a guy who maybe pops up on a few ballots at the end of the year. Um, where, where are you at on him through four games here? Do you, do you still kind of feel the same we felt after one game or better, worse? Just where, where are you at with him? Um, I, I, I'm, I feel like I'm somewhere in the middle. I think he's going to, I think he's going to be better. Obviously I think he's going to have a bounce back season. Um, do I think he, you know, he was leading the league in scoring in the preseason after uh, three games um, on like 50-something percent shooting. I, I don't know if I would, you know, say I'm ready to to say that's going to carry over, right? But I do think he's going to be better. The one, he, he spoke about this uh, in, I think it was in, might have been in, in San Antonio, when he, I think he scored like 26 points in that game uh, last week. 
most of his shots are coming in the mid-range. And you and I both know, David, most people listening to this podcast know that that's now considered an inefficient shot, right, for everyone right. not named Chris Paul and, like, Chris Middleton. Um, if he's really efficient at that shot, then, yeah, of course you want him to take it, right? I mean, we've seen Chris Paul make a living on that, and you know, but he's he's kind of like the outlier. Like, not many guys. He's, like, right. one of the most efficient mid-range shooters in the league. I, I just don't know if I if I – the diet of shots he's getting, like, if that's sustainable. Um, he's 12-22 in the mid-range in the preseason, 54%. Again, if that if that continues, you want him to take all the mid-range shots he gets. Um, but I, I just don't know if that's a sustainable formula. Um, he is shooting better on threes as well. He's 8 of 22, which is decent. Um, 8 of 18 from above the break, which most of his threes are coming from. Um, but the mid-range is kind of where I'm kind of just closely monitoring to see if that continues, um, if it can continue to be that efficient, you know, maybe not that efficient, but close to that efficient in that area, and if, if most of the shots continue to come, uh, you know, from that part of the floor. Um, because, again, I just – that's – for most guys, that's you not – You worry about anyone taking a lot of those. Yeah, yeah. for most guys, that's not just great. Fair. Right. So that's the one thing I would point to that maybe we should monitor, but I, I do think he's going to have a better season – and, you know, I've seen some people on Twitter saying that he could be the Heat's leading scorer this year. I don't know. I guess he could. He's in the running. But I still would probably go with Jimmy or Bam above Tyler because I think they're going to get more playing time. I just think Bam is kind of trending in that direction, um, especially now with Kyle, who's going to get him a lot of easy buckets in transition. I could see I could see Bam averaging like 20, 21 points this season just, just because of the Kyle effect. Yeah. Yeah, with Tyler, he had to improve his shooting in – you know, he was actually, like we've talked about a lot, he was really good around the rim last year. Obviously, that's not, he doesn't get to the rim as frequently as, uh, you know, the best slashing guards in the league. Uh, but he's good around the rim, and he kind of either, one, he had to either get better at getting to the rim, and I'm sure that's part of what um, just adding that extra muscle was intended to do, right? Let him be a little bit more physical and get to the rim more frequently. Um, and then he had to improve his shooting, uh, either in the mid-range or from three. I think most people would have said, hey, improve that three-point shot. Uh, again, like you said, it's a more efficient shot, easier to get, all that stuff. Um, so if, if the mid-range, like you said, is sustainable and that is improved, then that goes a long way toward uh, him getting to the offensive heights that I think we think he can be. But, again, I, I look – I agree with you. I look more to the three-point shot and – if he's going to be the guy he was in the first three games uh, and shoot the three that well, I don't know exactly what his percentage was, but obviously, like you said, the game four uh, dropped it a little bit. Um, then, then I think yeah, he'll he'll be right in that six man of the year conversation that we talked about. I I, I don't buy him as the leading scorer on this team, but uh, it was my bold prediction in the preseason that he'd be like a six man of the year uh, type candidate, right? So uh, I'll stick with it. I think. Um, any other any other lessons uh, you you you're buying off this camp or or on the converse anything we've seen so far this preseason that you're like yeah that's not gonna happen. <laughs> um, I, on the on one positive one more positive I think Bam. There was so much talk about Bam kind of extending his game to the three point line, and I, again I wouldn't be surprised if he takes a few more threes this year than he has okay. in past seasons. But he is not taking a three this entire preseason, and you would think <laughs> if he's really gonna incorporate that. Um, yeah. into his game, he would really try to tinker with it in the preseason and kind of get in a rhythm from that part of the floor. Um, he's actually, like, taking his game closer to the basket, which is interesting. Um, he, he's 
posting up more. Um, he's obviously getting those easy buckets that Kyle's helping him get in transition and with more dunks and more alley oops with having like a you know a prototypical point guard uh, to play with. Um, you know, mid range shots. I think they're only taking like two mid range shots this entire preseason. Everything else has been in the paint. Um, so I think that's been an interesting kind of thing I've noticed that he's taking his offensive game actually closer to the basket instead of yeah. stretching the floor like everyone wanted him to. Um, well, it's kind of what we t- just talked about with yeah. Tyler, right? It's like you got to do one or the other. And, and right. I, I think a lot of Bam's problem last year, not that it was a problem, he was still like an all-star level guy, obviously. Um, but it did feel like he kind of fell in love with that mid-range shot a little bit, right? Which is like understandable. He figured it out. He became pretty good at it. Like He was good at it. Yeah, like you want to do that. Like when, when you when you add something to your game, you know, it's like anything. Like if you you buy a new pair of shoes. You want to wear that new pair of shoes a lot, right? Like, you want to find excuses to use that. Um, and in reality, that mid-range shot should just be – I don't I'm not – and not to say this was his whole, whole arsenal, but it needs to be part of the arsenal. And, and the real luxury of the mid-range shot, and I think the best players in the NBA would tell you this, is it's a bailout shot, right? The, like, Kevin Durant, for example, who's probably the best mid-range shooter in the league – um, I think he would tell you if he was being honest, and he frequently is, but, like, he's not looking for the mid-range shot every time he comes up the court. He wants to get to the rim, obviously, or he wants to take an open three. But the thing is, if they defend you, they drop you, you can drive and take that pull-up mid-range jumper. Or if they defend you high and you can go right, step right around him and hit that mid Like, it has to be kind of the thing that makes you unguardable. Um, and for Bam... The way he is unguardable is if he can dominate you around the rim and then force you to play way off of him, and then you hit the the mid-range jumper to keep him. It has to be the counter, right? The counter to the way they defend you. And, um, you know, not to say that, again, not to say it was his whole arsenal last year, but it needs to be the the fallback plan. And for him, it felt sometimes like he fell in love with it a little bit. Yeah, I mean, you saw him a walking defended him in the playoffs. Um, right, exactly. They wanted to they wanted him to take that mid-range shot. As efficient as he was from that area, and, you know, that was a big storyline this year, that year of how improved he was, in the, you know, in the mid-range, Milwaukee was, okay, take the shot, you know, and, and we all know he didn't really take it much. Um, and, you know, I think that's been one adjustment he's made. And also, you know, Eric Spolstra noted it after the Monday's game against the Hornets that, Bam has been more assertive about the catch. Like, instead of just holding the ball, you know how he used to hold the ball for, like, five, six seconds trying to, like, survey the court? Uh, he's he's being more assertive off the catch, getting to his dribble, and using his athleticism and size to either draw a foul or, or to finish around the basket. Um, so I just think we've seen a more assertive Bam who's being more aggressive and in getting into the paint. Um, 28 of his 31 shots in the preseason have come into the paint. Um, so that shows you right there kind of what he's what his offensive plan is this year. Um, and it's a little bit surprising um, because, again, we thought maybe he stretched the floor more this year, but it's obvious that he's still focused on, on just dominating inside, which I think this team needs because they have shooters, right? You need somebody yeah. in the paint to score, and, and that's kind of where he's he's probably best at. And I think he's improved his post moves as well. Um, that's been – that's been something he's continued to improve throughout his career. He never, he didn't really come in as like a, you know, with a polished post game. Uh, but we've seen, you know, different layers added every off season, and and we've, and I think we've, like whether it's a spin move in the post or just little hook shots, 
Uh, we saw a little bit more diversity uh, in the post from Bam in the preseason. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to stay for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, Anthony, I want to wrap up with um, the new nickname for this Heat team and uh, the little bit of controversy that uh, has followed it. Um, Last night, um, Bam said they call this team the Kennel. Uh, Earlier in the preseason, P.J. Tucker said they call them, what was it, the Pound? Something like that? The Pound. It was like... Pound. It was one of the first days at training camp. He, I think it was a, I think it was actually the first practice. He said, "We call this place the Pound because they have so many dogs in the roster." Um, and as you mentioned, I, I was unaware of this until you brought this up. Uh, Bucks fans are not happy about this. They are not. They are very bothered by this. Um, <laughs> and I guess it has to do with PJ. Kind of, I, I don't, I don't really know. But I guess he said that the Bucks had dogs, and that was like their thing um, uh-huh. last season when they won the championship. Um. And I, you know, ever since whenever I tweet those comments that they're in a story, uh, people in Milwaukee somehow find out, and I see it on my, all my notifications that they are not happy uh, with PJ and Bam. Like you said, said yesterday that now they're calling themselves the Kennel. Um, look, Milwaukee didn't like create that term, <laughs> right? I mean, I feel like teams have been. Referring to themselves over the. Did you know that you don't have to have probably been calling this team some variation of the dog pound for uh, the, his entire run in Miami. Well, I have an Instagram post up from Adonis Haslam up on my on my screen right now from December December 2020 uh-huh. uh, when they signed Avery Bradley or when they had just started camp and yeah. Avery was one of Avery Bradley's first practices. He welcomed Avery Bradley. It said, "AB, welcome to the kennel, homie," with a picture of a with a little emoji of a dog. Um, so again, that was December 2020. PJ Tucker was still on the Rockets roster. Um, so there, that's proof that I don't know how long this is. I don't know how long Udonis Haslam has been you know using that to to describe the Heat locker room, but at least goes back to December 2020 before the that became a thing in Milwaukee. So I, I understand why Bucks fans get bothered, and that's the beauty of sports, the fun of sports. It'll make the Heat's opener against Milwaukee uh, more fun and add another storyline like that matchup needs it at this point. Um, but, yeah, I, I I wouldn't exactly say the Heat are, like, trying to copy Milwaukee or want to be Milwaukee. That's been something they've used now uh, for a while. It's been, I mean, it fits all the heat culture cliches, too, and it's just yeah. a cliche. It's a nice reminder that heat culture is in itself a cliche. Um, 
And I've always wondered how self-aware the Heat are about this, the fact that, like, all the things they talk about is everything that every team uh, talks about doing. Um, and, and this dog pound controversy is, is the perfect example of uh, of why. Because every team, the way you would describe a quote-unquote dog is basically all the things you would use to describe, like the, with the whole heat culture, hardest working, most conditioned, all that uh, stuff. And um, the fact that this has sparked a miniature controversy uh, is a nice reminder um, of how dumb this league is. Yeah, and uh, exactly, that's a good way to put it. Um, <laughs> you and you cover you cover the Hurricanes, you know. Yeah, that's part, one of the many beats you cover. Um, I think there was a. I remember reading a story, and it was one. I guess after one of their losses, I don't know after which one, but that somebody said they don't have enough dogs on their roster. Do you remember uh, that? I don't know. I mean, I just it's just such a common thing, right? Like so many teams fall back to that whenever they're losing they don't have enough dogs whenever they're winning they have a lot of dogs in the roster it's not unique to Milwaukee it's not unique to Miami it's a sports thing so yeah anyway does this team does this team <laughs> feel particularly kennelish to you I mean yeah I mean look at the roster we've said it right when they signed all those guys like you have you know Udonis obviously is the team captain you have Jimmy yeah. everyone knows you know what Jimmy's like um Kyle, Bam, then P.J. Tucker, Marquise Morris. I mean, you have a bunch of guys who kind of been underdogs in their career. There you go, underdogs. Maybe that's the maybe that's the origin of it. They have been underdogs in their career, kind of overlooked at some point, and they've kind of defied the odds to get to where they are in the NBA as far as how good you know the caliber of player they are. So I, I do think you know I, I know UD called last season's team the kennel. I think this team is more kennelish. I would say than 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 last year's just because of the different additions they made this this summer. Where does it rank on the the most kennelish teams we've had here? <laughs> Man, I, like I don't know. Yeah, that's that's a good question. I mean, but like actually, as I think about it, this team might be the most kennelish. I'm trying to think. I mean, that team, that 2003 team with Dwayne Wade as a rookie. When they had Karan Butler. Yeah, that's true. You, like, if we're talking pre-Big Three. Ryan Grant. Yeah, like Eddie Jones, Lamar Odom. I mean, this is probably more kind of list, but I mean, that's the only one. That was a fun team. Like, it was like a, one of those teams that fan lo- fans love to root for. Not really expected. There were young guys, you know, a bunch of young guys with maybe a mixture of veterans, but a lot of young guys leading kind of the way, so... That's like the first team that comes to mind when you say kennelish, but yeah, this one it has to be either at the top of the list or very close to it. Yeah, well, the, the I mean, the other team I thought of was the obviously the bubble team, right? Oh, true. Yeah, that's right. That was just so close that I yeah yeah that, I mean, that's true. And it's it's obviously very similar to this team, um, but I remember one of the big storylines of that team was like they had like no one who was drafted. I think what wasn't like until they traded for Iguodala, I guess no one. On the roster was drafted. Yeah, well, I think ju- top Justice ten. Was the only, top ten. No one was yeah. top ten. Yeah. Except for just no one was higher than ten because Justice I think was ten, right? Yeah. Um, well, and, and Dion Waiters, but he just wasn't. Well, around. well, he got yeah. traded after for a good dollar, so that's that's well, yeah, right, right, right yeah, yeah. So anyway, that was the big storyline with that team, um, and obviously that was like Duncan Robinson's breakout too um, when he was. I don't know if he's uh, what you think of as like kennelish as a as a quote unquote dog, but he's got that 
that self-made kind of thing that, that sort of falls in the same category. But I think the fact that this team is basically the guts of that team, but um, you throw Kyle Lowry in with it too, um, plus P.J. Tucker, um, and even Markeith Morris to an extent, um, I, I think this one gets a slight leg up on that team in, in on, on my kennel power rankings. Funny anecdote um, from post game in Houston last week. Um, Kyle was asked by Jason Jackson, who is the new Heat radio voice, by the way, yep. for for those not aware. Um, he was asked, "Has anything surprised you about the Heat organization?" He said, "You know, hear about the culture. I got all these phone calls from people saying, how is it? Like, what's it like? How different is it?'" And he's like, "A lot. Of, he's like, honestly, a lot of it's a myth." It's it's normal. It's the same. So it, I mean, to your point, you made a few minutes ago, David. Like this cold. You know, I, I'm sure the, the way that he does things is a little different. The body fat test, the conditioning, the, the conditioning yeah. aspect. But that's the one thing. Like Kyle said, it's 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 kind of it's been uh, really really inflated over the years. Just like the mythology around it, that probably it's a little bit like the storylines make it more than what it really is. All right, you got anything else before we finish up here? No, I think that's it. Next, next week we get to the real. Uh, right. Well, yeah. Have... Next week, I guess we'll do. So, what opening day is? Thursday. Next Thursday, right? Yeah, it's perfect. This will next yeah, week's so episode will drop come on opening on night. Morning. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we will uh, next episode will drop on opening night, obviously. Um, yeah. So we'll do our, our big season preview episode uh, next week. Always one of my favorites. Um, get our predictions ready. Um, Anything you're looking for in these last couple of preseason games? Um, will the Heat have like another dress rehearsal? So I guess the one in the game in Houston where they started um, the projected starting lineup was kind of the first one, right? Um, now they got two I, more I, shots to do. They it. have two more shots. I would think that one of the two, one of the next ones, a back to back. So right. I'm guessing I, like I would Jimmy think Kyle. Kind of the same who, approach they did with that Texas back to back, right? Where half the guys will play yeah. one day, half will play the next day, essentially. Right. And right. Like Jimmy. Yeah, Jimmy Kyle and Bam would play in one of the games, right? I mean, yeah, and that'll be one dress rehearsal. Yeah, so I just wonder which one it'll be. Will it be in Atlanta, or will they want to do it at home to close the preseason? Um, I guess that's really the remaining mystery of this preseason. What what game? Which game will they pick to uh, to be the next dress rehearsal? You feel uh, you feel like uh, they're ready to go. You, you do you feel ready to go? Are you uh, you know are you um, load managing through the rest of this preseason? Get just getting ready. You know, worried about opening day now. Yeah, I'm just kind of trying to save uh, my finger strength for yeah. hyping my takeaways during the uh, during the regular season. At don't want to burn you out. Keep, keep it on a minutes limit until. Uh, yeah, yeah. This, I, I, I shine brightest you know, when the real games begin. So it's preseason for everybody around here. Yeah. All right. Uh, thanks as always for listening. You can follow Anthony on Twitter at Anthony underscore Chang. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at DB Wilson two. Um, Pay attention to the winter sports teams in Miami. Obviously, Panthers uh, open up on Thursday, I guess, when most people listen to this. Heat a week from then. Uh, those are the two best teams in town. Um, and uh, the sooner I think we can all move on from football, I think the the happier most of South Florida will be. Dolphins' schedule is pretty soft, David. I, know. I wouldn't write I know. them off they, yet. Well, yeah, okay, well, we, we'll wait until – if they lose to Jacksonville, they will have to yes. talk about that next week. Yeah, we will. We'll, 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 we won't talk about the Heat for the Heat preview. We'll just talk all yeah. Dolphins next week. 
exactly. I know you'll have some takes at that point. I, I definitely have some hot takes. Probably harder than my heat takes at that point, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, thanks again for listening, everyone, and we will uh, talk to you next week.